This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, episode 130. Whoa. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood, and I'm here solo today to try to bring you a little value. And since Chris isn't here, I am going to skip the pre-show banter and just get straight into what I'm going to talk about today. And it's related to our marketing funnels as recording studios. This is something I've talked about a lot in the past. I had a whole email sequence, like a whole email course thing that I put out at the end of last year called Jumpstart Your Marketing. And it walked people through everything they need to be thinking about when it comes to their sales funnels as a recording studio. This topic is something we talked about last week on the interview with Mark Eckert. It's something we talked about on the interview with Joe Wadsworth of the online recording studio. And this is something that I eat, sleep, breathe, and live every day of my life. And it's because I'm in this unique position where I'm kind of straddling two worlds. I've got one foot in the world of recording studios, mixing studios, mastering studios, anything in that world that you would consider part of the audio industry. And I've got the other foot in the online business world with the Six Figure Home Studio and with FilePass. And this gives me a unique perspective on how these two worlds are different, but also how they're the same. And the reason I'm talking about this is because one of the things I see in the online business world, so software company and education company, I see a lot of information on how to market your products or market your services or market whatever it is that you're trying to sell. And all of the education is centered around marketing. And at the center of marketing is a sales funnel. And this is something that I have to really, really dial in if I'm going to make paid marketing an effective thing for my online businesses. I was looking into things recently and I've spent over a quarter of a million dollars on paid advertising. And this has forced me to learn a lot of things about funnels in order for those marketing dollars not to just be completely wasted because it's so easy in paid marketing specifically to lose a lot of money if you don't know what you're doing. Anyone who's ever just dabbled in Facebook ads and just lost money, you know what I'm talking about. So let me bring this back to recording studios because this is relevant, I promise you. In the recording world, no one takes their sales funnels seriously. Typically, people just throw a website up, if that at all. A lot of times, they don't even have a website, but if they do, it's just a website they put up real quick. They took my website course one weekend, had a Wix website put up, and then they're done with it. That's their sales funnel. And that's the extent of effort they put towards this. And this is to the detriment of your business. If you go look at the episode I did with Joe Wadsworth, episode 125, Joe's recording studio can feed the mouths of 30 audio engineers, over 30 audio engineers, because he understands marketing better than most studios that I've seen. He treats his recording business like an online business, just like I would treat FilePass, just like I would treat the Six Figure Home Studio. And because of this, he has set himself up to take in a lot of clients. So quickly, let me just make sure everyone's on the same page here. When I'm talking about your marketing funnels, there's three main areas that I'm talking about. There's top of funnel, and that's what I consider your generating awareness about your studio. So anyone who knows about your studio, that's the top of your funnel. The middle of your funnel, that is generating interest for your studio or for your services or for your product. Anyone who is interested in working with you or interested in learning more about you, they are now in the middle of your funnel. And the bottom of your funnel is anyone that has paid you money. And each of those groups is progressively smaller, so it's shaped like a funnel. That's the quick and dirty version of a sales funnel. Most recording studios that I have seen screw up the middle of the funnel worse than any other part of the funnel. And I want to spend some time talking about that today. I don't really have 
an idea where this conversation is going, or at least have an idea. I don't have a proper outline. So this may be really rambly, but I think it's going to be relevant for a lot of our listeners right now, because this is the part, especially today when everyone's stuck at home during quarantine, this is the part that is most important because if you cannot make someone interested in hiring you, you will not get a stranger to hire you ever. So the middle of your funnel can be represented by a few things, basically anything that generates interest for your recording studio. For a lot of people, and this is what I tell most people, that's going to be your website. That's the central hub where people are going to find out more about you. And there's different levels of interest too. I'm not going to get into that either. There's a big difference between someone who's interested in learning more about you. So they look at your website. That's one form of interest. And then there's people that are interested in working with you. That's people that have looked at all your marketing material, all of your website stuff. And they said, oh, this person is someone I might be interested in hiring. Those are different levels of interest. So I'll just ignore the different levels of interest for now. And let's focus on the part of your funnel, the middle of funnel here, that's going to turn someone from aware of your studio or interested in learning more about your studio to interested in actually hiring you. So again, it could be your website. It could be your social media pages. But for the purposes of this episode, I want to stick to your website because this is the thing that you have the most control over. You don't have full control over the way your Facebook profile or your Instagram profile are laid out. Yes, you can customize small little things here and there, but you have no control over which thing is shown first, which thing has precedent over the other, which thing is popped up whenever you click this certain thing. You have no control over that. As a matter of fact, it's in Facebook's best interest to keep people on their platform away from you because if they're not on the app getting marketed to, they're not making any money. And that goes with Instagram too, which if you didn't know that Instagram's owned by Facebook, you're living under a rock, but it is. So it's the same company. So your website, the important parts of your website, when it comes to the middle of your funnel are broken down into two separate parts. And I'm going to talk about both of these. One is what you're presenting to the person. So someone comes to your site, what are you presenting to them? What are you showing to them? And the second part of that is how are you showing it to them or how are you presenting it to them? And there's a lot of things you can have wrong here in this, in both of these sections. So I'm going to try to kind of dive into each of these and give you a little bit of help because this is the area that so many recording studios screw up or really any business, but specifically recording studios, specifically people that are creative or right-brained, they have a huge issue with figuring out how are they going to actually sell someone on hiring you on a website. Most people's brains do not work this way, at least if you're a creative, a musician or an audio engineer that is more focused on the creative sides than the engineering sides. So let's talk about what you present to someone when they come to your website. The first thing people want to know when they come to your website is the answer to this question. Can this person, can this studio, can this mixing engineer, can this mastering engineer, can they give me what I want? And what I want is going to differ depending on which site I land on, what services I need, what exactly I'm looking for. But if you haven't answered that within five seconds, they're gone. Those are all those people on your website. If you look on Google Analytics, it's called a bounce. Whatever your bounce rate is, those are the people that came to your site and were not immediately given the answer to that question. Can this person give me what I want? I believe in the Jumpstart Your Marketing course that I did, that email course, which by the way, if you want that email course, just stick around to the end of this. I'll give you a link to join that for free. I believe it's your cornerstone question. Can this person give me what I want? So that's the first thing that has to be answered immediately when someone comes to your site. Now this can come into play as a headline on your website. It can come into play as a subheadline on your website. It'll probably be answered in maybe your URL or your business name, whether you're a recording studio or a mixing studio, maybe by your list of services that you offer. But very quickly, you have to answer that question pretty quickly. Can this person give me what I want? If the answer is no, or this, the answer is you have to keep reading a block of text to answer that, you've lost the sale. You've lost the person. So that's the first thing. The next thing is your portfolio, your portfolio of work. It blows my mind how many studios I see when I come to their site 
They either don't have a portfolio at all, which is the biggest sin <laughs> you could possibly have for a any kind of creative field. They either don't have it at all or they have it hidden deep into their site on some like sub page that's on like page 17 of their menu. If this is not front and center for you, you're going to lose the customer. And think about this. It doesn't matter if you are a videographer, a graphic designer, a photographer, mixing engineer, mastering engineer, recording studio. If examples of your work, and this better be your best examples of your work, are not one of the first things people see. Again, the cornerstone questions first, but immediately they want to know, is this person good at what they do? Your portfolio is a huge part of that. So your portfolio needs to be on your site in a way that is easy to find, and it needs to be front and center. Now, we'll come back to your portfolio again if we get around to this, actually, when it comes to how you present things. But just know that when it comes to what you present, your portfolio is going to make or break it. This is part of answering the question, can this person give me what I want? Because if I want mixing services, sure, maybe you offer mixing services, but if your mixes sound like trash, then I'm not going to hire you. So you can't give me what I want. But this is a huge part of that. And not everyone in our community is great at what they do, unfortunately. But if you are good at what you do, which is surprisingly, a lot of people that aren't getting work right now are really good at what they do because they do not put their portfolio front and center, loud and proud of their best songs that give the best examples of their best work. The next part of what you present to your customers on your website specifically, or really anywhere, but we're talking about website right now. This is your studio's layout or design or decor. Now, this is something that's optional, but if someone's ever going to actually come into your studio, which right now is not very relevant because of quarantine and stay at home order, but in certain states, they're kind of letting those things up right now. So maybe that'll change sometime soon. But anyways, if you have a studio where people are coming in or you just have a beautiful looking studio, make sure your website shows that off. You need to present them the entire package of what you're offering and your studio's layout and decor and design is part of that package. That's especially if they're going to be interacting with their studio in some way, shape, or form in person. Now, if you're a mixing studio or a mastering studio and they never, ever show up to your place and you have an ugly studio, this doesn't really matter that much. I would actually stay away from, I'd rather have no photos of your studio, no photos of what you do, of your setup, than to have terrible photos. <laughs> I'll never forget this. There was a studio photo of a guy and it was a really bad, grainy, low lit photo. There's like a roll of toilet paper on his desk. Everything's messy. There's trash everywhere. And I'm just like, why would you put this on your website as your main? This is the above the fold main landing page photo with the headline over it. The background is this horrible photo of his gross studio. And I don't even think bands come into the studio. So I just told him, take it off, take it off. And if you ever want to put photos of your studio up on your site again, Make them actually good. Clean your studio up. Hire a real photographer, which gets us to our next thing. What are we presenting to someone when they come to your website? If you're showing off your studio, make sure your photography, which is part of what you present, your photography has to be on point. You can't just take low light, grainy, shitty photos with your iPhone 6 that somehow barely still works. Get a friend with a good camera or just use your iPhone 11 if you have an 11 or 11 Pro. Those are really good cameras if you have good lighting. So if you don't have a photographer friend, at the very least, invest a little bit of money in some good lighting and you'll get near professional quality photos of your studio. Now, compared to recording studios in the world, there's like probably 10 or 20 times more photographers in the world. So except for the fact that we're all stuck at home right now, any other time, it's not that hard to find a good photographer to come and take photos of your studio. If you want to trade services for it, maybe you find a musician who's also a good photographer because a lot of times musicians also do photography for fun or on the side. If you have to trade some services, go for it. But at the very least, do something to get good photographs of your setup if you're going to post anything at all. The last part that I want to talk about when it comes to what you present 
is something called your offer. Now, I just recently read a book called The Irresistible Offer, and I'm going to kind of try to translate some of that to how recording studios can adapt an irresistible offer of their own. But before I get into specifics, let me talk about what an offer is. An offer is what you're offering to your customer. That sounds pretty straightforward and standard and easy to comprehend, but I can't tell you how many times I see people mess this up. Now, really quick, let me give you a good example of what a good offer is. ChrisGrahamMastering.com. You go to his site. The first thing you see is his portfolio player. So already, if I'm looking for mastering services, Chris Graham Mastering sounds like a good place to go. So that cornerstone question is already answered. Can this person give me what I want? I want mastering services. I'm going to play the portfolio. And here is his offer. I will give you a mastered song for X amount of dollars. Now, Chris has moved to a quote-based system, so he doesn't have public pricing, which maybe I'll get around to in this episode, but probably not. I always prefer people to do quote-based pricing instead of public pricing for so many reasons. But Chris's offer is you send me X amount of dollars and an unmastered WAV file, and I will send you back a fully mastered WAV file. And I believe, at least he used to, he would do free test masters. So you would just send him a WAV file in no money, and he would send you back a fully mastered test master for you to hear exactly how it would sound if you were to pay him to do your entire album or the entire song. This is a good offer. It's clear what you're giving him, and it's clear what you're getting out of it. Here's the example of a bad offer. This is a student who joined the Profitable Producer course this week, and I looked at his website, And here is what his website said. And actually, I'm not going to read it just for privacy concerns. I don't want to put this guy on blast. But he essentially said, I offer recording services, mixing services, mastering services. I do videography. I do photography. And I also print signs and t-shirts. That is an example of a really bad offer. It is not clear what he is going to be doing for you. And it's not clear what you would be giving him and what you'd be getting out of it. There was unsurprisingly, no examples of his work on his website. So in all ways, this person failed at having a good middle of funnel website. This is in no way was going to turn eyeballs into interest. The main reason this is such a bad offer is because he's trying to do everything. There's no coherence to what his offer is. So there are four parts of a good offer. The first part is, here's what we are selling. (laughs) If you don't have this clearly laid out on your site anywhere, here's what we are selling you're already doing a bad job of answering that cornerstone question. Can this person give me what I want? So here's what we are selling. That's the first part of a good offer. The second part is here's how much it will cost. Now, I said earlier that I prefer people not have their pricing on their website, but now I'm telling you that a good offer tells you how much something will cost. Well, here's the thing. If you don't have public pricing on your website, the cost is the filling out of a form in order to get pricing. That's the cost. So if you were Chris Graham right now, you're offering mastering services. It will cost filling out our contact form. The third part of a good offer is here's what's in it for you. With Chris Graham, a fully mastered track. Give you the before and after on my portfolio so you can hear what other songs that I've mastered sound like before and after. It's very clear what's in it for you. A professionally mastered song. And then the fourth part of a good offer is here's why you should trust us. This can be reviews. It can be testimonials. It can be logos of all the labels you've worked with. It's a lot of different ways for this fourth part of a good offer to show, but most people have only one or two of these at most. And usually just one of these, it just says, here's what we have. Here's what we're selling. And they'll sometimes have the price. So the part that people mess up when it comes to an offer is here's what's in it for you. And here's why you should trust us. Now, one other thing I see people messing up when it comes to an offer on your website is you're trying to do too damn much. You're trying to throw everything you could possibly ever do for someone at them and hoping that one of these 30 things you offer 
is something you might need done. The website for the new PPC student that I talked about, where he's trying to do mixing, mastering, recording, photography, videography, sign printing, and t-shirt printing. Some of those things are not like the other. <laughs> this is just like him throwing a handful of spaghetti at the wall and seeing which pieces stick in hopes that someone's going to pay him. And this gets me to something that I have started to believe in more and more and more. It's something called a productized service. When I've done more and more of these interviews with people that are virus resistant businesses right now, people that are still crushing it right now, even though everyone's stuck at home. And so studios are having to pivot to change and figure out what they're going to be doing in an effort to keep their businesses open. One thing I've noticed on all the guests we've recently recorded is that all of them focus on productized services. Joe Wadsworth, their entire website is built on helping singer songwriters take an idea to fruition. It's very clear what the deliverable is. It's very clear what the scope of work is. You can actually piece together the parts you need on their website through their store. You can pick, I need a guitar player. I need drums. I need backing tracks. And it's priced per little module per song. They've taken something that's a very complex thing to do. You're taking someone's just shitty like guitar in a bathroom with a phone and you're helping them craft that song into a fully realized professional sounding song. Joe has systemized that business in such a way that allows him to do that. He is productized. You're essentially buying a product that is essentially a service. That's a productized service in a nutshell. DK Waddell of Launchpod Media. That was episode 124. His entire podcast agency is built off the productized service model. Their offer is, we will help you launch your entire podcast from start to finish. All you do is show up week to week and record. We will handle literally everything else. And when we're done, you will have a weekly or monthly podcast published to all podcast networks that will help bring you in more leads and more customers for your business. You can trust us because we do X, Y, and Z. We've helped people get on iTunes podcast top listen list or whatever. Like they have a very clear offer, but they also have a productized service. They're not trying to say like, hey, if you need editing, we'll do that. Oh, and if this person just needs recording services, we'll do that. And if this person over here just needs the episodes they're doing themselves published to all the networks, we'll do this. And this person only needs a few episodes done, so we'll work with them. No, they say, we have created very set criteria for what we will and won't do, and everyone has to fit within this box. And yes, that excludes people that don't fit within that box, but that just means anyone that does fit in that box makes it so much easier for you to do what you need to do because every little part of that little box they've created for themselves is systemizable. They can create checklists. They can automate things with Zapier. They can hire people to do the easy, tedious tasks that you don't want to do as a business owner. Now compare that to that new PPC student. Poor dude, I'm throwing him under the bus today, but that's the way it's got to be, where he's doing recording, mixing, mastering, photography, videography, sign printing, t-shirt printing, or whatever. I would almost guarantee you that none of those things are bringing him in more than five to 10 grand a year, if even that. Let's just pretend like all of those started to do really well. Say each one of those things that he did brought in $10,000 a year. If that's seven things that he's doing, that's $70,000 a year that he's bringing in. Except he's going to be running around like a chicken with his head cut off because he has so many different things he has to juggle in order just to keep this $70,000 a year business running at all. Much less optimized, much less set up to where you can actually focus on big picture. He's just going to be treading water for the rest of his life if he were to do that. Compare that to LaunchPod Media, who has this very little box that they do. We work within this box and you're either in or you're out. But if you work within this box, we can hire team members to handle their individual little parts of the box. And actually a machine's a better analogy. Yeah, I like that machine. This machine runs smoothly. It's not complicated. The repair costs are low <laughs> compared to the guy trying to do seven different things that are in no way related to each other. His machine is a complex jumbled mess at best. In most cases, it's probably not even going to work. The machine won't even start. 
So productized services are a really good way to define a scope of work in an area that has a lot of potential customers in it, and that allows you to scale your business in a repeatable, sustainable way. Before we get into the podcast today, let me tell you a little something crazy about myself. I'm actually a psychic, and I'm going to prove it to you. You and I, we've probably never met, but I bet I can describe your business better than you can. Here's what my crystal ball says. You probably have no idea how to get clients other than waiting around for referrals and word of mouth. You're stuck in a perpetual cycle of feast or famine. So you have wild income swings from month to month. You're charging way less than you should and you know it, but you don't do anything about it. You feel like you have a million things you could be doing in your business and you have no idea what you should be focusing on. And you have tons of little half-built bridges leading to nowhere because you've jumped from thing to thing to thing as a dabbler. Am I right? Does this sound eerily similar to you? That's because I've been in your shoes and I've worked with thousands of freelancers who've also been there. So I'm not a psychic. My crystal ball is not real. I just have a really clear understanding of what freelancers are facing today. And if I can predict your problems, you can bet I actually have a solution to these problems. It's called client acquisition. We talk about this all the time on the podcast, but for some reason, freelancers still haven't really figured this out yet. This is why I created Clients by Design Coaching. It's a truly unique coaching program that helps you build your own client acquisition machine so you can break out of this feast or famine cycle that most freelancers never escape. So here's how our approach is unique. First, we do a deep dive on your business, we figure out what's missing, and we give you a complete marketing roadmap right from the start. So no more dabbling, no more guesswork, just a clear path to getting more clients. You always know what your next step is because we actually assign specific tasks to you. So instead of feeling overwhelmed, instead of feeling scattered, you can just focus on your next step. That's it. We give you unlimited feedback on everything you do so you can feel confident that every single step you're taking is the right one. And we hold you accountable, not by nagging you, but just by genuinely supporting and cheering you on every step of the way. If you're behind on any steps we've assigned to you, we'll proactively reach out and see how we can help. Clients by Design is not a course. We look at it like a partnership. We'll always show up. We'll always give you what you need, but you have to be willing to put in the work. This program is not for everyone, and that is okay. As of right now, I just checked the numbers. We've only approved about 25% of the applicants we've gotten so far, and that's because we are selective. We only accept your application if we believe we can truly help you. So if you're ready to end your feast or famine cycle and build a client acquisition machine, you can apply for Clients by Design by going to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach. That's the number six, figurecreative.com slash coach. Now here's our show. So let's take a step back now. We've talked about what you present to someone when they come to your website. Now quickly, I'll breeze over this part. We'll talk about how you present those things to someone that comes to your website. The first thing is your overall website design. If all you do is the stock Wix website that I give you in that course, which is admittedly what my website is right now, that's not good enough anymore. I know I have needed to update my recording studio's website for a long time. But fortunately, it's not my main source of work anymore. It's not the only income I have. So I don't have to really work on improving that like I would someone that's only doing their studio full-time. If you are trying to have a full-time recording studio where that's your main income, you have to be competitive now when it comes to your website design. Now, if you have a good eye for it, go for it. I've seen a few people in our community that have amazing sites, but I also see some utter trash. I see people that might have all the right things. What they're presenting to people is correct but how they're presenting it is utter nonsense because their web design is terrible. One example would just be dark red text on a black background, or they'll have white text with a photo with a lot of white in it. So everything just blends together. These are just small, dumb things that people mess up. And it actually takes a lot of work to make a website look good. Like it's professionally designed. So if you can't do it, either hire someone to do it or trade services for someone to do it for you or get a favor from someone to do it for you as long as your website looks professional and feels high value. One other thing I want to talk about when it comes to how you present these things is your overall brand. This comes kind of down to design, but also the feel of your brand. 
this isn't as important. Like I see people that have no real branding, like no offense, Chris Graham, <laughs> you're my buddy, you're my podcast co-host, but Chris Graham mastering is not really a brand. There's no real brand to it. I don't even know if he has a real logo. It's like maybe a signature or something. There's no real brand to it. I mean, even my own studio, four, five, six recordings, there's no real brand element to it. Someone who has a really good brand, someone that I talk about all the time on the podcast is the Fox Bro. It's a mastering service. Uh, congrats to him, by the way. He just had a number one billboard song chart recently, I think, from songs he mastered. But if you go to his site, thefoxborough.com, he has really, really good branding. It's that bright orange, which most people wouldn't think makes sense, but it really works on his site. He has the little Fox logo. The Fox Borough is just a memorable name. Mike understands branding in a way that a lot of studios don't. So if you have a friend or a family member who's a designer, this helps a lot, but make sure you don't just ignore this part. The other part of what you present, I'm going to go back to your portfolio. I talked about how important it is that your portfolio is your best work, that it's showcased in a way that is easily found. There's a couple of things that come along with how you present that portfolio that really can make or break your website. First of all, make sure you have a good web player. Don't just go for the stupid SoundCloud player that everyone has. Don't just put the damn Spotify player on your website. Your web player needs to have a few things in order for it to pass the Brian test. One is it has to be easily played and paused and you can skip around songs on it. So just a good player experience. The second thing is that it doesn't try to take people off of your website. That's why SoundCloud and Spotify players are utter trash. Their goal is to get people out of your site onto their damn app. And the third thing is it has to look good. Now, surprisingly, this is harder to do than it sounds but there are options out there, whether you're on Wix or you're on Squarespace or you're on WordPress. WordPress has a lot of options. Most of them are not free. Wix, the standard web player they have, has been fine for me for years. Until FilePass releases a lossless portfolio player, I don't think any web player is going to have lossless wave streaming. So just give that up and just accept the fact that it's going to be streaming MP3s. But no matter what, anything's better than the streaming quality of SoundCloud or Spotify. Those are both terrible stream quality if you embed those on your website. So again, on the middle of your funnel, the next part of this is your call to action. Say someone has come to your site, they either heard of your work from someone else, they Googled your name, or you were talking to them on social media, you were doing what Joe Wadsworth does, doing that go-giver marketing on Instagram. Someone clicks the link in your profile, comes to your website, likes what they see, and then leaves. Why do they leave? Why didn't they take an action to fill out your form or whatever it is you're trying to get them to do? It's because you didn't have a call to action on your website. Good websites, and you'll see this all over the internet for companies like mine, like FilePass, like Six Figure Home Studio. Every landing page, the page someone comes to when they come to your site, has a very clear call to action. It's calling someone to take an action on your website. Now, for some, it might be to book a session right there, give you money. I don't recommend that. For others, it's a call to action to fill out a form or to book a call with you via Calendly or to send you a message via your live chat on your website. Any of these are viable. It needs to be clear. And I like to have this in multiple places, preferably with a button that stands out color-wise. Now, if you go to the Foxborough Studios website, he has that nice bright orange color. If you go to the Six Figure Home Studio, most of my buttons are kind of the yellow gold that my brand is. If you go to FilePass, all of our call to action buttons are like that mint green, which has a lot of contrast to our white and purple brand colors. But the call to action is the logical next step in the process for someone that is going to hire you for whatever services you offer. So some places to put your call to action can be the button on the main landing page. The top of the landing page, you'll have a website headline that's just like, we mix and master indie pop artists. Call to action number one is contact us. And then you can also have a secondary call to action. It's usually like an outline button. It's not as bold, but it might be something like listen to our portfolio. I love that secondary call to action because it gets someone to take really what is the main step. 
They want to hear your portfolio. And you can test this thing out. If there's something called split tests or A-B tests, where you can test different call to actions or completely different websites if you want. Most people don't have enough website traffic to do this properly. So I would avoid those for most people right now. But having a main call to action is absolutely crucial in order for someone to take the next step to go from aware of your studio, generally interested in what you do, to interested enough to take the next step to book a conversation with you or to contact you for pricing. Now, again, we're still in the area where we're talking about the middle of your funnel, your website specifically, how you present things. We talked about what you present and how you present those things. Now we're talking about how to present your social proof. Now, this is part of your offer. This is the part of the offer that answers the question, why should someone trust you? So here's what you're selling. Here's how much it will cost. Here's what's in it for you. Here's why you should trust us. How does your website show that you can be trusted? And like I mentioned before, this can be things like putting logos on your website of labels you've worked with, of big brands you've worked with, with any movies you worked with, if you're doing sound design or something movie related, or any big brands you've worked with, if you're doing sync licensing. If you want an example of this, just go to chrisgrammastering.com. Last I checked, I'm going to check now, actually, he had logos on his site of the labels he's worked with. And yes, he still has Universal Studios, Sony, Disney, Warner Brothers. These are all labels that he has worked with on mastering projects. Great way to show that you can be trusted. And the thought process is, and this just goes back to social proof, if he's good enough for Disney, he's probably good enough for little old me. So make sure that is displayed on your site. Make sure you, if you have testimonials, you either have a dedicated page for those or that they are sprinkled somewhere near your contact form which is closer to the bottom of your site usually, if you have a one-page layout like I do. Make sure they're easily read. Make sure that you've gotten the permission from the person that you're showing the testimonial because ideally you have a photo of the person, a first and last name, a band they're associated with or a brand that they're associated with because this makes it feel a lot more real. It doesn't feel like it's just some made-up testimonial. People have walls up when it comes to this sort of stuff. So you have to make sure that, yes, what I'm presenting is a testimonial, but how you present it is almost as important as what you present. Because in this case, if you want it to be believable and to convince somebody that you are indeed putting real testimonials in your website, make sure you have that additional info if you can. Now, talk to the person first. Don't just put someone's face on blast and put all their information about them. Make sure it's okay. But most people, especially if it's a brand, won't turn away a backlink to their website because that helps with SEO. And just kind of wrap this up, the final part of the middle of funnel, and this is something we've talked about on episode 88, of the podcast, an easy way to turn $30 a month into thousands of dollars. This is all about retargeting. Someone comes to your website, they checked out your stuff, listened to your portfolio, they may have checked out a few pages, and then they left. Now, you don't know why they left because they didn't fill out your form. So you don't have any way of knowing if they left because you just weren't what they were looking for, or they left because they were in a hurry and they had to leave really quick, or they left because their computer crashed or their laptop died. You have no way of knowing. Or if that person just wasn't ready at the time, to contact you for the project. They were maybe really early in the process of looking for a studio and they're just kind of analyzing what you do. It could be weeks or months before they're ready to actually hire you. So this is where retargeting is a huge part of turning those eyeballs into interest again by showing ads to those people that come to your site. Now, Facebook makes this really easy. I'm not gonna make this a technical description of how to do this. Go back to episode 88 if you want more info on that. But this is just about saying, hey, Facebook, anyone that comes to my site, Make sure for the next, let's just say 60 days, they get an ad from me once or twice a week for the next 60 days in order to get them to come back to my website and take that logical next step. Now, the ad might be something that goes to your contact page. It could be an ad to Facebook Messenger where they're sending you a message on Facebook. That's the call to action in the ad. You could run ads to video content. You can change it up so it's not the same damn ad for the entire 60 days. But this is a really cheap and easy way to make sure you're picking up that low-hanging fruit. 
that you're making sure people are not leaking out of your funnel. Because especially if you get into paid advertising, which I, I recommend most studios don't right now, unless you really want to devote a lot of time and energy and effort into this and be willing to lose a lot of money at first. But if you start paying for paid advertising, then the leakier your funnel, meaning the more places you're losing people because of an unoptimized sales funnel, the more expensive it becomes to get customers and the more money you're wasting on paid advertising. So retargeting is a really easy and effective way to essentially recycle those people that leaked out of your funnel due to whatever reason. And it's not hard to set up. It's not hard to do. And if you're going to do paid advertising at all, that's the first place I would have you start. Now, sorry if this episode was kind of meandering and unfocused, but I'm not used to doing solo episodes, especially episodes this long. But I just saw so many studios that are struggling right now to get the middle of their funnel figured out. I've seen people that have hundreds of views to their website a month and they're getting no people to contact them. I see people that are getting tons of profile views on their Instagram accounts, but nobody direct messaging them with interest in working together. And I feel like this episode in and of itself is a way for you to take what I taught today and go and implement it into your websites or into your social media accounts, figure out what it is that you're actually offering people, figure out how you can actually get people to trust you, that you can do what you say you can do, figure out a way to fix your horrible websites, because I don't want to see people come into the Profitable Producer course if they join the course and have to work on that sort of stuff. There's so much more to work on when you come inside the Profitable Producer course that if you're stuck fixing your terrible site, that's a waste of time. That's time you could have spent elsewhere in the course actually implementing the stuff that I teach. The website now, again, is table stakes. People expect a good web experience, both on mobile and desktop, more so mobile than ever. And if you ignore this just because you only want to do mixing work, you only want to do recording, you only want to do mastering, you don't want to do this technical stuff, you don't have to do this website or sales funnels or marketing or think through the buyer journey. You don't have to do any of this stuff. Well, I'm telling you right now, that stuff matters more than ever today, especially because everyone's stuck at home and you can't convince people face-to-face that you are the right one to work with. It's all about figuring out how to turn these in-person, face-to-face conversations into an interaction someone has on your website. And it sounds like it's hard to do. It sounds scary, but I promise you it can be done. I've done it in my own businesses. I've helped my students do this. I've seen people in other similar fields in graphic design or videography. I've seen people that can still do it. They make it work. And you've heard people on this podcast, our past guests that have managed to do this. So you can do it. It's just a matter of sitting down, figuring out what it is you need to do to have the biggest impact to your marketing funnels. And whatever you do, don't just listen to this episode and think, hmm, this is right. Brian got me here. Uh, I have a terrible website. I really need to fix this. And then proceed to go do nothing because next week another episode will come out and the week after that another episode will come out and you'll just have shiny object syndrome and nothing ever gets implemented. Don't let that be you. Let this be the time that you say, okay, I'm going to set aside a week. I'm not going to listen to another episode of the podcast as much as it pains me to tell you that. And I'm going to focus on the middle of my funnel so that anything I do from here on out will have a positive effect on my bottom line, my dollars that I'm earning at my studio because I took the time to fix the middle of my funnel or in this conversation, your website, because now you should understand why it's so important. So that is it for this episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. You heard me mention a couple of times in this episode, something called Jumpstart Your Marketing. This was an email course that I sent out late last year and it was 100% free and it was extraordinarily helpful because it covered, I mean, a lot of the stuff I talked about in this episode, but also the top of your funnel, which is generating awareness for your studio and then also the bottom of your funnel, which is turning all of that interest you generated on your website and on your social media pages, turning that interest into income. So if you want that email course, 
Um, I actually haven't had anyone go through it since I launched it. It was just something I sent out to my list at the time and never set up a system where people could just opt in and get that. So if you want that, um, I will, as soon as I'm done with this episode, so it should be live, hopefully by the time <laughs> this episode airs, uh, I will put up a landing page where you can just go to the sixfigurehomestudio.com slash jumpstart. That's J-U-M-P-S-T-A-R-T, jumpstart. And that should forge you to whatever landing page I end up making. And then you can sign up for that. I forget how long it is, but it's probably some around seven to 10 days long. And I think it's a daily email. If you have any questions, you can always go to our Facebook community. Just search for the Six Figure Home Studio community on Facebook. And there's always a thread going for every single episode. So look for episode 130 in our Facebook community. And there will be a pinned post if it's this week or if it's later on. And you can just look through our history in our search. And there's uh, comments under there. You can ask me any questions you have related to the top of your, your marketing funnels, middle of your marketing funnels, bottom of your marketing funnels. Again, this is something that I eat, breathe, live every single day. So I'm happy to help you out however I can. But no matter where you are right now in your business, the best place to go right now is probably just sixfigurehomestudio.com slash jumpstart and sign up for that free jumpstart your marketing course. That's all I have for you for this episode. And until next time, thank you so much for listening and happy hustling. Whoa.